0: For August 29th, 2011, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 165, Mandatory Post-Colonial Guilt. Welcome to the Overthinking It Podcast, the podcast where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Matt Rather, your host normally, has eloped with a woman named Irene, who's flown at hundreds of miles an hour off on, on the winds to the far reaches of the Earth. And I'm Peter Fenzel, here to take over and make sure that you guys get the overthinking that you need on this fine Monday. Well, Sunday for us, and Monday for all of you. So by the time you listen to this, the specter of Hurricane Irene, that dark shadow of Of green and red globs flying across the radar screens of weathermen everywhere will have drifted off of your map and away from your highways and towns and all the other things that they put on there so you know where it is and where it's going to rain. So, in tribute to this tribulating weekend, panel, your question for the week, what is your favorite storm in pop culture, a dark and stormy night, if you will, perhaps, or, or a storm with lightning and, and thunder and lightning and, and it's frightening and all the other nonsense, uh, I will abstain from my position in the alphabet, because as host, I need to bring up the rear, I need to caboose this thing, but I wouldn't be first anyway, because today we have the pleasure of Matt Belinky joining us. How are you doing, Matt?
1: I'm doing okay, I'm doing all right. Um, the storm question is interesting. I'm going to have to go with a storm I remember fondly from my childhood, the big storm at the beginning of The Little Mermaid. That uh, sinks Prince Eric's uh, pleasure boat into the sea and, and prompts uh, the titular mermaid uh, – no pun intended, I swear <laughs> – to, to rescue him and therefore like sets off the chain reaction that unites the mermaid and human kingdoms. And I'm sort of wondering – I, I know there actually is a sequel to the Lur Mermaid that I haven't seen, but I'm always wondering like what are the the practical effects in the course of human history to the to the realization that there are mermaids and that mermaid society coexists with human society. Um, and that like there is presumably like lines of communication opened up between them by this sort of uh, uh, cross cultural marriage at the end of that um, anyway it 's a great hurricane in that movie. It comes literally out of nowhere. one moment they 're having a hornpipe jig on the poop deck. the next moment uh, they 're battening down hatches to no avail. Uh, the powder <laughs> is being ignited. Uh, dogs are being rescued at great cost to life and limb and, uh, um, mermaids are, you know, I don't, she must have a very strong tail because she weighs like 70 pounds and Eric's <laughs> got to like be double her weight. So she must yeah. be, be, have the, whatever muscles those are. <laughs> um, she's, uh, she's little, but it's not the size of the mermaid in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the mermaid. You know, it wouldn't be surprised. those
2: muscles are called fillets.
1: That's <laughs> a <laughs> powerful
0: fleas Nice, yeah, Sir Mix-a-Lot would have some fun uh, Some fun fish action Going on with that one uh, If you were singing about it It reminds me of, uh, was a Killer Instinct Where there, you could fight as a velociraptor And they listed his weight as like 700 pounds Or something along those lines And I think that was when I first realized that Animals weigh more than people a lot of the time, even if they're not necessarily like unfathomably larger than human beings. So maybe Ariel weighs like 700 pounds. Maybe that tail is it's like bigger than her body, right? Maybe she's just like a big old hunk of fish meat. Um uh, but this is was...
1: killeristic flashbacks, by the way. That's the killer <laughs> you could, like, have combos that were like hundreds of moves long. <laughs> yes, so that, yes. if you're playing against you somebody really good, he could like start punching you and you could like walk away and get a soda and come back, and you would still be in the air if you hadn't literally touched. The ground.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't have to hit the button a hundred times, right? It would you do like a hit, and you do the auto second, which was like diagonally across the Super Nintendo pad, and then it would <laughs> do like five other hits for you, right? And uh, and you could chain that into something, and but you could always get the k- k- combo breaker, which you see in internet memes from time to time, which is nice, or internet pictures, as it were, because they're yeah. not formally memes. Um. But anyway, putting aside our killer instinct for a moment and returning to serious commentary. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Let's jump to Mark Lee. Mark Lee, how are you doing? Are you staying dry, sir? Are you staying 'cause you're right you were right in the uh in the danger zone, right? You were down down there
3: in Brooklyn. Such as it were, well, but speaking of uh you know, fictional storms, I guess you could say, you know, Hurricane Irene in New York City. <laughs> no. Okay, so very briefly very briefly people did die. People died. Yeah, yeah. That's what I I I said that in, in jest, right? I want to okay. very briefly like you know hijack this question and say like the people who were being snarky about the hurricane in New York city and being like, whatever, like, you know, overreact, you know, uh, all, all this stuff like, that's not cool. You know, this is a very serious life threatening situation. And, uh, you know, the, all the uh, actions taken by the authorities and whatnot were totally appropriate and saved lives for sure. And the, you know, to accept that lives were lost, that's r- very unfortunate, and regrettable. And to extent that they were saved, that's awesome. Um, thanks to responsible, uh, preparedness. Okay. So with <laughs> that aside, it takes
2: the bold stand in
3: favor of life. somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. The video, because the rest of the internet, you know, uh, commentariat, right? You know, like a blog post comes on, like you know, Sunday morning, and there's a poll on there. It was like, you know, did New York City overreact? And of course, the people who have an internet connection, electricity, uh, you know, and are able to vote in that poll and make snarky comments, they're going to say, yeah, sure. Um anyway, all that aside, maybe we can come back to that later. But um, I'm gonna go a little bit uh out of left field here for favorite uh you know pop culture storm. And I'm gonna say whenever it rained in the video game Ultima Seven. <laughs> did anybody play these are uh, the RPG computer RPG games from back in the day?
0: Yeah, that's not that's not Ruins of Virtue. No, no, that's after that. Ultima Seven. No, no, no. no.
3: Was... Uh, Ultima Seven was the was the Black Gate, and then uh, uh Ultima okay. Seven Part two, the Serpent Isle.
0: And that um, was back before Ultima was Ultima Online, one of the formative. Before Ultima
3: Online, before Ultima Eight Pagan, before Ultima Nine Ascension, before the franchise basically went <laughs> to crap. Um, back when the the genre was all about sort of you know solid RPG storytelling, and mm-hmm. even beyond that, um, there's something like there a very excellent sort of uh, fine point there. If you think of the continuum of a graphical representation from very iconic, right, with Mario and you know the the. the Images on screen don't really look anything like real things, and all the way to the other end of the spectrum is representational, right, with our sort of modern 3D graphics, uh, you know, totally immersive, you know, let's we'll try to look as photorealistic as possible, right? <laughs> I thought that struck a really good, uh, you know, uh, happy medium there, mm-hmm. right, where things were iconic enough so that they're sort of easy on the eye and representational uh, – sorry, not rep- that's not the right word – easy on the eye and, you know, sort of just stood for things – uh, in a nice way, and yet were sort of realistic enough. And then the atmospheric effects of that game, everything just sort of was a nice package that mm. brought it all, but all together. So Storms, Ultima 7. Cool. So, wait, so so, Ultima games, was
0: there a unifying characteristic that unified and distinguished Ultima games from other RPGs? Was there something that was just an Ultima thing to do? Or was I'll it be honest,
3: a- I haven't played enough RPGs to really comment on that. All I will say is... That, uh, you know, as opposed to Final Fantasy, uh, you know, the Final Fantasy games, the combat happens, you know, above, uh, above, uh, you know, looking down on the action instead of looking inside, which I think is oh. important.
0: So, I no okay. idea, actually. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So it's like Final Fantasy, but it's like kind of on its high horse. Like it looks down on you a little bit more. That makes sense. Fair enough. <laughs> cool, cool. Cool. So, yeah. So let's jump. <clears throat> uh, we'll jump actually to the city. Actually, wait, you're not there. You're probably are you in Philly, Josh? Are you in Philly right now? Or are you? At I Battle? am. Oh, because okay, uh, you're in the city that was actually hardest hit by Hurricane uh, Irene, right?
2: I believe so. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had banks flooding. We had uh, we had you know streets awash. It was uh, it was pretty wet here. Uh, in fact, I have not left my apartment in like 48 hours and smell fantastic.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I had heard a joke uh, prior to the hurricane that it was going to miss Philadelphia because uh, angry Philadelphians were throwing batteries at it, and it was going to run away. But apparently, that was not the case. and It is not funny. And serious rain fell on the city. Of yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So what, why did you, it, you had, it, it, yeah. had it been named after a brother? Uh, it would have been fine, but it was Irene, and thus not interested in our Philadelphia. Fair enough. Uh, I want to go back to Matt's question real quick because there is raised an important issue I've wondered for a long time, which is why is it important that she's the little mermaid? Oh, because like, there's why- a big mermaid? There's like a mermaid? Well, bigger- yes- the is there a big mermaid? Uh, it seems an interesting modifier in that, like, nothing... She's more like the impetuous mermaid. Mm. But, i thought about
1: like, this a lot, Josh. <laughs> here's the thing. She has, she has six older sisters, none of whom appear to be married, because they're all living with their father, like, in some sort of boudoir at the castle. And so there must be something, like, horribly wrong with them. They must be really unlikable mermaids. Because here's the thing. The Train bottom half of their against. bodies are fish. Right, but that's... Uh, you 're being so homocentric right now <laughs> here 's the thing. Triton has nothing against his daughter 's getting married to eligible merman because he 's really happy when, when he thinks Ariel 's in love with like you know somebody from his own her own species, so like why aren 't the sisters married
0: maybe they 're all lesbians, and maybe there isn 't gay marriage in the ocean because King Triton is a monarch and thus fairly socially conservative. Um, I don't know. Maybe – is that too much? Is that like too much of an onus of social commentary to put on that movie? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because we never do see – we never actually see – the only couple in the movie, like mermaid couple – is in the poor unfortunate Souls song right where ursula is singing and you see like the guy is is, the guy and the girl sort of switch bulk right and like the guy gets bulky and the girl gets slim and like and they they fall in love but then they get turned into those horrible wretched like crawly things because there's a mermaid couple that's shown in that in that song kind of illustriously that has no lines but other than that i don't think there is a single like mermaid congress or like mermaid like you know marriage that's depicted um
1: so so no, that, that train is in the long line of, uh, of Disney father figures who, and, and absent mother figures that are deceased. Yeah. I mean, I think the
0: real reason it's probably called The Little Mermaid is, spoiler alert, in the original story, she dies as a child, right? And so like, she never gets a chance to grow up. Well, because... how
1: old is she in the original story? Hold on. Uh-oh. I know my friend Mr. Google knows. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, um, she's 15, Okay. Um, and actually, that could be very accurate in the in the movie as well, because don't forget the Little Mermaid's best friend is Flounder, who's probably like thirteen, you know, right. who's very much like a child. But so, that's one hundred and
0: fifteen by by fish years. But I don't know. I think I
1: think we've discussed this in the past <laughs> that the Little Mermaid is probably the least good role mo- out of all the poor female role models in Disney movies. Uh, yep. she's probably the worst
0: because she just like collects garbage and then throws her life away for a man she doesn't know.
1: I mean, like, like she gives up everything for a man that she doesn't know, and then, yeah. like, her and then her father eventually like signs off on this. Her father's like, "Well, you may be fifteen, but if that's really important to you, go ahead and, and, and marry that dude." Uh, as I think it's pretty, like, it's
2: pretty, probably... pretty clearly a shotgun marriage at the end, <laughs> or, or or a trident marriage, as the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough,
0: fair enough, fair enough Man, We're really delving into the right. uh, mermaid lore here well, So anyway, yeah. Josh,
2: what about the answer to your question? Uh, so
0: question.
2: First, I want to respond uh, for Mr. Rather Who, though he's not here, I'm sure would answer this way um, Which is the, the rain scene in the West Wing Where uh, President Bartlett is like, torn over his lies to the American people And he doesn't know whether or not he's going to, uh, he's going to run for re-election and Wait, what? President
3: Bartlett lied to the American people? How about a spoiler yes. alert here? Gosh, Uh, apologies. Um, the, uh, so he goes out, you
2: know, he goes out in the rain and he's talking to God and the rain is very much like it's God sort of literally raining on his, you know, inauguration parade. Um, and then also just sort of cleansing him and readying him to, uh, to go back and, and take over. Um, so I, I think that's a that's a pretty great one. I just love that trope in general of like staring up into the rain and being cleansed by it as you converse with God. I think you see that a lot. I feel like John Cusack does that in like every other film that he's in. Um, my own personal favorite though has got to be uh, Ninja Gaiden Two, uh, <laughs> the uh, the old eight bit game on Nintendo, uh, where the the rain would push you uh, one way or the other as you oh, tried man. to jump from platform to platform. Um, and I liked it because I felt it was the first great 8-bit representation of nature's power over us. <laughs> uh, no, nobody's really done that before.
0: That level was a biznatch. That was oh, a really, was really a tough it level. level. It was because
2: so bad. Fly
0: Why is a ninja sword fighting a bird? That doesn't make any sense. But no, you have to do it. You have to jump and you have to swing the sword at the bird. That was murder. Those levels were crazy. Um, sorry, I got a little bit worked up. I Ninja
4: Gaiden is an interesting example of a game that purports to be an, like, a platform action game, but is actually a rhythm game, like playing rock band or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, you, you have to memorize the sequence of keystrokes that you plug in and do them in exactly the right order, or else you don't get through the level. That is a
0: really good point. Yeah, because everything moves horizontally so fast and there's so much kind of lead time and when you jump before you can hit the ground again that you really don't have a lot of... It's not really about reflexes. I mean, that's an interesting way of putting it, definitely. It's like the sort of Parappa the Ninja kind of thing. Ninja (laughs) Ninja the Ninja. (laughs) Ninja.
3: I I don't know how much you guys are joking about this, but I've often compared sort of that muscle memory of executing complex video game moves to that of playing a musical instrument. Oh, yeah? Executing a, a graceful power turn power slide and grand theft auto you know you could uh, uh you could compare that to executing a nice tasty um, mm, mm, guitar lick electric guitar well certainly me. skateboarding and
0: have that sort of comparison in the way that they get they get related to one another right and like the way that it works in skateboarding video games where it's almost like dance right? where you got to get the million points for doing like the ollie flip twist mick thing um as you're going up off the top of the Elementary school, where there's a bird for some reason that's talking to you. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> flashing back to my Tony Hawk days. I apologize for that. I apologize for that. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of good video game storms. That, that's a really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there's a lot of that theme coming forward. All right. So we got to jump to elsewhere in Brooklyn. Are you are you dry and safe, Stokes? Or did you get out of town? Are you still are you still down in Dodge?
4: Wait, is it my turn already?
0: I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm safe, it? by the way. <laughs> I,
4: I didn't. I didn't die. I'm fine. Everyone's fine. Oh, that's good. Um, that's good. I'm picturing yeah, you up so... to water
0: in your waist, like talking on a headset. right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: dangerous, and we don't recommend it.
0: No, don't do that. <laughs> Drying your hair, too, with a hair dryer, which is very unsafe in that water. But anyway, continue.
4: But I'm going to go ahead and um, take the elephant in the room, which my favorite storm is... The, the dark and stormy night where the rain fell in torrents, except at occasional intervals when it was checked by a violent gust of wind which swept the streets, for it is in London that our scene lies, rattling along the housetops and fiercely agitating the scanty flame of the lamps that struggled against the darkness. The opening line to Edward George Bulwer-Lytton's Paul Clifford, um, which is apparently the worst opening sentence of any book uh, in the English language to date. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> I like that. I like that sentence because it has inspired both the Bulwer-Lytton Fiction Contest, where people try to write the worst, you know, the worst sentence of that kind, and compete for that honor. And what I think is actually funnier, if you can track it down, is the the Little Witten Fiction Contest, which is like the same thing in uh, twenty words or less or something like that. Um, mm. Which they, they tend to be an awful lot funnier. Um, and you know, go go find those on the internet. And I think the the key is to try to read them in a context where it would be really inappropriate for you to laugh out loud. So, like, read them at work when your boss is in the room and doesn't know that you're not, uh, you, that you're not using the computer for work. Because then they will they will really make you uh, you know fired. Which, <laughs> just so, wait,
0: so. Is that the did you just say just so, like like Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire style?
4: I guess I did. I yes. I say that I said that to Rudyard Kipling just so story style, but oh, I, don't know.
0: I think we talked about that last week. So is that the sentence from whence all dark and stormy night talk comes?
4: That's where it comes from, yeah.
0: Oh cool. And is that where the dark and stormy the drink comes from? Because it's delicious.
4: Probably indirectly, sure.
0: Which is, and if you're underage, don't drink alcohol because uh, it's illegal and we'd be liable potentially for anything that you did and for no other reason. Uh, All right, so let's jump across the pond, which used to be a fairly nice meadow, but Hurricane Irene filled it with salt water uh, to the United Kingdom where our dear friend Tim is joining us. Tim, how are you doing? Tim Swan.
5: Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a bit, you know, sleepy. Um, I've managed to survive the much, much tinier trailing edge of rain that's been over us today it's been a very strange weather day but not anything devastating uh so i'm contractually obliged to say that my favorite storm is something from the star wars expanded universe mostly because i really want to write for them someday and i'm hoping that if i keep on going on about them someone will notice out there in the internet and ask me to give them a hand (laughs) Uh, so yes, um,
0: for for the duration of the podcast, if there's someone you want to work for in the future, like feel free to plug anything that they did, and we'll just take note <laughs> of it. We'll,
5: we'll um, yeah. I, I, oh, okay. Well, uh, the the NHS mental health services—they're great. They're really fantastic. I tell you what, <laughs> they really just cannot be beat for that mental health goodness. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> you, you heard it here first, folks. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're a patient uh, with the NHS mental health facilities, um, and I'd like to see the overlap. Sound off in the comments if you're in an NHS-related health mental health facility. Uh, tell us about the quality of care that you're receiving because I'm sure it's great. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so you were talking about Star Wars and how it rains in space.
5: I think. Uh, well. <laughs> Yes, I'm picking, as uh, the Star Wars wikia puts it, Force Storm brackets wormhole. And let me read a little from the uh, wikia page, because the prose is quite good. It could indeed compete in the Little Litton contest. Force Storm was a volatile dark side force power capable of creating hyperspace wormholes that were able to displace objects across vast distances and tear apart the surfaces of entire planets. Um... Yeah, they're storms that affect time and space and don't have any lightning or rain. Um, you know, you so, know what, the it,
3: thing about those four storms is that the Galactic Empire's FEMA you know, never took the four storms particularly seriously. Um, and, and the four storms wind up you know, causing all sorts of damage. People don't get evacuated in time. It's a real shame about those four storms.
2: Heck of a job, Dark Lord Brownie.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be Lord of Dark Brownie? <laughs> I suppose I don't,
2: it should have been Grand Moff Brownie actually <laughs> <There he laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: those are the more kind of administrative positions really Moffs and Grand Moffs yeah okay. uh,
2: yeah, I remember, because we wrote about this in the Star Wars
0: thing a little bit, how there's a lot of boring stuff that the Imperial government has to be expected to do. Like, does it have to do flood relief on, like, every planet? Is Because is, they took over all those jobs of the local magistrates, right? Like, they got rid of the Senate. They got rid of the regional governors. Uh, does that mean if it rains really hard in some area of Tatooine and there's nothing to soak up the groundwater because everything is a desert and there's no trees, does that mean that they have to send, like, a, a ship out there? Or do they constantly— Is it that people just keep coming to the Emperor being like, Emperor, like, there's an unmitigated humanitarian disaster. Or he's like everything is transpiring according to my design. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
0: like okay, sir. Like we'll be we'll be going to Sebastian's to get some sandwiches. Uh, that's a sandwich shop. I'm not. I don't want to work there, but I want to get sandwiches from them. Uh, <laughs> them out. Plugging them. We're gonna have a lot of plugs. We're gonna plugs at the end of the show too. Special plugs for special things and not that kind. Get your head out of the gutter.
3: Awesome. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what? So you went yeah. there. We weren't going there. You went there.
0: Fair enough. It's been a long week, you know. The low pressure system is is playing with my internal monologue. Uh, so, so Tim, you're Sue. So you're you're of the opinion that. Um, storms that are kind of metaphorical or force-based, like Protoss storms in Starcraft, or force storms, or like anything that's sort of like like mind lasers in space, like crackling like lightning, like that should qualify as a, as sort of a storm trope in fiction and, and relates to it in sort of a, a similar sort of way. Or what do you think? Is there a division I, there?
5: Or I, I guess I guess I would call it space weather. Um, space. I'm sure that's a <laughs> phrase someone else has caught with it because it's just kind of everything sounds better when you call it space something. Um, That's true. Uh, in, unless, of course, you can get it to the double upgrade and call it Space Weather 2000.
3: Oh, but, man. 2000 so. is the best. Do you have that over in England? I, love I thought that was a, a purely the you know, uh, exclusive property of local news in the United States. Uh,
5: no, no. Um, I seem to remember that the Millennium was a thing that happened pretty much all over the world. Um, so, oh, yeah. Also That's hype, what, right? That there's still an electric store. Qu- where, near where i live that is called apollo 2000 which would look cool if it wasn't 2011 um <laughs> but they do have low low prices so uh tim i was actually in, <laughs> i was in the uk a couple of weeks ago and noticed that what seems to be the
2: largest uh cell phone outlet in your country is called uh or uh, this was in scotland
5: obviously it was different but uh it was, it was the car phone warehouse Oh, yeah. I was literally there the other day getting my phone fixed. It's ridiculous. No one really ever had a car phone in England. I mean, I'm sure a few business people did, but it wasn't a thing because, you know, we don't go on that long car journeys. You know, a journey of half an hour is quite a long car journey for us. So um, we don't really have time to call people. But yeah, car phone Warehouse, terrible branding in a way, but they've stuck with it. <laughs> Whereas...
0: So are we, are we as a podcast declaring war on Carphone Warehouse? Is that – are we like we've got a new rival now? Is that what's Well, going? I was trying
2: to get a job there, but I <laughs> <laughs> we
0: fouled that up for everybody. Oh, geez <laughs> louise. Is so this economy with this rain coming through? Cool, cool, cool. All right, so I guess that leaves me, uh, and I'm going to say – The storm scene from Forrest Gump where Lieutenant Dan hauls himself up to the mast and, like, yells at God to, like, sink – telling him he can't sink the ship and to bring it on because Lieutenant Dan is trying to cope with the harsh reality of not having died in Vietnam like all of his ancestors. Because I was – last night when I came home – And uh, it was still eerily calm, right? And the storm hadn't arrived yet. Someone should make that into some sort of trope. I remember, like, going on, doing that sort of – do you guys zombie YouTube? Like, you just go on YouTube and you search for stuff without really thinking of what you're searching for. And it's sort of like this Joycean free association of videos placed before your eyes. And one video I found myself watching two or three times is, like, Lieutenant Dan yelling at the rain. Um, which is, a, I think, a great scene. Uh, maybe not from a narrative, like emotional, relationship-based standpoint, but the the way that it's shot and the way that it communicates the storm is pretty cool. And and uh, the way that Forrest Gump says that, and then God showed up, is uh, kind of fitting for the level of seriousness that the movie has for its subject matter it's like okay and here's kennedy and here's lbj and here's here's god and, and all this other stuff that's in the movie based on although i guess god is you know they didn't use as much cgi i'm not sure how much cgi they used but that's the storm that destroys all of the ships except for forrest gump's ship so that bubba Gump shrimp corners the shrimp market right and it's uh
2: wasn't that actually like the first use of cgi to like get rid of lieutenant dan's legs wasn't that like a huge deal
0: I remember it being a huge deal. Although Forrest Gump is pretty far along, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of arguments about what the first use of CGI is. But um, you know, Forrest Gump is—I um, think it might even be post Jurassic Park because uh, mm-hmm. Forrest Gump is 1994, and then Jurassic Park is 1993. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's it's not the first, but it definitely was a big deal. And I think Forrest Gump—the way that CGI is used now—Forrest Gump is probably a lot closer to kind of showing us the future of CGI than Jurassic Park was. Well, let's put because, it this way. It was yeah. a notable
3: use of one of the very first uses of subtractive CGI rather than additive, right? uh-huh. Rather than putting a dinosaur or a liquid metal Terminator into a movie. A CGI, right. in this case, is used to take something away. In this case, Gary Sinise's legs.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, one thing you don't actually know is that in in, uh, in Prince of Tides which came out in 1991, there was actually a dinosaur in most of the shots and they had to edit it out. It wouldn't leave the set. It was really awkward. <laughs> and, uh, Barbara Streisand was, it was brought, drawn to the sound of Barbara Streisand's voice and Nick Nolte just kept yelling at it and being like, you get out of here! But that just goaded it on and they would keep fighting. Um, the dinosaur generally got the worst of it. But no, no, no.
2: I've <laughs> always felt that Lieutenant dancing would have been far better if he was up there on the mass yelling at LBJ.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Steele Johnson, or Robert McNamara, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. defense secretary back then. Is, that <laughs> not, is it McNamara or is it, I thought it was McNamara. McNamara? McNamara, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, have,
3: I have one more about fictional pop, uh, fictional storm uh, that I want to bring up. Unless uh, we forget, the final countdown, the movie from 1980, where the aircraft carrier goes back in time and has the opportunity to refight Pearl Harbor or prevent the Japanese from bombing Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic stuff, but the best part about The Storm is that it brings together on-screen Kirk Douglas and Martin Sheen, two of the best chins ever in Hollywood. <laughs> Thanks, Storm. Nice, nice, They nice. should
2: remake it with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> oh.
0: Hey, <laughs> hey there's a, a what is the Bruce... name of the movie with – oh, gosh. Is it Morgan Freeman and Christian Slater where it rains all the time? I don't remember. Oh, gosh. Oh, is that uh,
1: – was it not uh, – see, I wanted to say talk... like uh, – like is it hard rain? Yeah, is that Hard Rain? You yeah. do to say heavy rain, but that's the video game that's really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. dark and moody. <laughs> no, no,
0: it's, um, it's, a, it's a movie with yeah, with uh, with Morgan Freeman and Christian Slater, Hard Rain, and Randy Quaid and Minnie Driver and Ed Asner are in it. Um,
1: you know what, yeah. uh, Pete? I wanted to, I wanted to address the, your your comment about CGI and Jurassic Park versus Forrest Gump because you yeah. were saying that like oh, well, it's the first movie that shows us sort of how CGI was going to be used in the future. And it sort of, like, raised an interesting thought experiment in my mind, which is that what's the first movie you could point at that could not have been greenlit had it not been for the existence of CGI effects? Because here's the thing. Like, Terminator 2, you could imagine making Terminator 2 with practical effects. Maybe the nature of the T-1000 is a little different, but, like, the plot can basically be the same. Um, Right. Sort of the same thing – I mean like now uh, Forrest Gump, I would say, you could imagine doing it without – You know, it's about <laughs> a guy in the past and you could do it with traditional special effects. You would just maybe uh, change the scope and shoot it differently. Jurassic Park is one of those that like were there no special – were there no computer effects, if they just had to use puppets, I think it would be a lot harder to make mm. it. But I would say that the two movies that really jump out at me as like without computer effects, it do, mm. they don't even get discussed. Are um, Casper the Friendly Ghost from nineteen ninety five, which
0: we've talked about before on this podcast years ago, yeah. as being a harrowing tale of the death of a young child. It
1: really yeah. is very disturbing because, like, <laughs> it actually becomes really melancholy. It's about like a yeah. young child and how like traumatic that is for everyone involved, especially the young child. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but then, no, but it's, I mean, think about it. Like, Casper is a CGI character. The the hilarious uncles are CGI characters. I feel like that movie. It was only greenlit because of the existence of that technology that that was sort of a novelty. And, I mean, the other one you could hold up is from the very next year, uh, Dragonheart which right. is the, the movie where the um, Dennis Quaid – sorry, I was going to say Fandy Quaid, but yeah. that one <laughs> – um, has to fight a completely computer-generated dragon with the voice of Sean Connery. And once again, you sort of feel like that movie doesn't even really get discussed We're it not for the idea of like we can make this dragon in a computer and it can do things that you'd never be able to do otherwise. And I feel like that – because to me, the, the distinguishing feature of computer-generated graphics – in blockbusters today, is that they make these movies possible. These movies would be unthinkable without them. You know, yeah, like I mean, let me, summer blockbusters. Can we move back today? to Jurassic
3: Park for a second? Because yeah, yeah. my understanding of the production history behind that is that it was greenlit without the CGI uh, completely nailed oh, that's, down.
1: That's very interesting. So right, they, they, were they, was, like, they, they
3: went through <laughs> it, and like, a lot of the, the puppet, sort of the stop motion effects came through, and Spielberg wasn't happy with them. And then, you know, the CGI sort of came through, I think, to save the day for the movie.
1: All right, so that's it. So then, then maybe it really is uh, Casper from 1995. <laughs> that's the first movie where they're like, because I mean, I remember that movie being marketed. That like one of the real draws of it is that like this is the first fully realized computer generated main character, and that this is the future. People, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's the hysterical. Thing- really, that Casper is the first fully re- like
2: the sort of what is it 70s era cartoon about. You know, a go- that just seems a really odd choice for me, like
1: it wasn't Tron. It was: <laughs> no, It wasn't Tron, but I mean, I, I have trouble thinking of a, a computer-generated character with a voice and substantial screen presence before 1995. Mm. Um, I'm going to say uh,
0: I, I think, I'm, I'm thinking because there's the, the movie that comes to my mind to say for this is the movie uh, "The Lawnmower Man" from 1992.: Are you uh, do you remember that so, movie?: Yeah yeah because that's that, there 's that whole genre of like people who go into the computer right um, and, like the Tron mm-hmm. style movies, but this one was like a horror movie about what is it a a, cra- a sort of a crazed savant right and they like go into this uh, computer this computer simulation or this computer they go into his mind via computer right and you get to see all these sort of like horror and so the the way that the computer depicts the action. Is uh, really integral to why the movie, how the movie functions as a piece of art, right? Like you could do the Lawnmower Man with puppets, but it, it would be very, very different aesthetically and and the purpose of it. Uh, both sort of diegetically and non diegetically, in terms of the use of the computer effects, would be very different. Right. I mean, so, they so basically,
2: would- it's, it's basically like that one lawnmower man who was actually just, I think he was just a developmentally challenged kid, and they, they try to help him with this, but instead of just bringing him to like average, they take him to far beyond average. But yeah. it's essentially his head on a variety of screensavers
1: it's a movie. great
2: movie and like the, the 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 last moment of that movie is one of the more chilling i think i've ever seen it's really well done
1: but but ultimately all the yeah, phones I, start ringing right yeah oh it's great I mean, this is, it it's is very- yeah it's, it's it's well done um mm. so that, that i mean that, well, that's an interesting thing that that movie doesn't get greenlit without some sort of computer-generated imagery as sort of the hook
4: I feel though that we're we're like we're so used to CGI these days that we've forgotten how many movies were made without CGI because like look at uh, the old Clash of the Titans right yeah. like that got made. <laughs> and it's unthinkable to me that that got made without CGI but it did and it was you know there were a lot of movies like that. Um, well, that was Casper, the first one
2: to really utilize clay technology.
4: Yeah, <laughs> like Casper would have been difficult, but you have got Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? So you can get a uh, Like, you know, an animated character on frame with a live action character at the same time. So really, for me, the movie that you cannot possibly do without CGI, is you need to look at the 2007 Beowulf. And specifically, you need to have the the, like the the guy is pitching the movie and he says, oh, yeah. And then uh, Beowulf and Grendel are going to duke it out man to man. And both of them are naked and they're played by Ray Winstone and Crispin Glover. And that means without the CGI that does not get made. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough.
0: I was going to say this movie I saw from 1983 which had some very very crude uh, special effects starring Raul Julia called Overdrawn at the Memory Bank uh, couldn't have been made, but then again, like it probably didn't need to be made at the first place. Uh, he, does, <laughs> he does a bunch of really crude uh, impersonations of various characters through a computer, and you see that sort of like wireframe flying off in the distance as things are zooming forward and backward. But yeah, I know, I hear what you mean. Uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, I think, is a is a benchmark in that kind of movie where it's like we are going to acknowledge that we are making computer generated worlds here, and this is how it is going to happen, um, and we don't care anymore. Like we just we're you know we're going five blades, like we forget about it, people, let's, let's, <laughs> uh, so yeah, 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 but that is an interesting question. I want to hear if the readers have anything to add to that because I'm sure that you can it also what qualifies as a computer effect I think is imp is a important not important distinction, but a distinction we could spend a great deal of time talking about if we wanted to um. Cool. Well, speaking of uh, looking back and and retroness and things that we used to watch, um, today is the Video Music Awards. And so, uh, Jordan, I wanted to check in with you. What's going on at the Video Music Awards? Are you watching the Video Music Awards right now?
4: No, did I say I was? No, the no, show? no, you didn't.
0: I, I just wanted to reinforce that we're not reporting live from the Video Music Awards at all, and in fact are not watching them. Because, um, but they're on tonight. They're on tonight right now. Um, sometimes we do the whole thing where it's like, oh, we've got John Parrish live at the Video Music Awards. And he reports to us, right? He like <laughs> oh, he like yeah, reads from a, a live blog, and uh, and we, he makes a bunch of noise. But John unfortunately can't join us because his power is out because of
3: Hurricane Irene. And the rest um, of us don't care enough about the Video Music Awards to pretend to be reporting from there i guess well, well we also well, have this uh, podcast to do but yeah oh go ahead I,
5: I i do care about them but i care about my loyalty to maroon 5's adam levine a lot more and he said <laughs> not to watch them and i obey his every whim <laughs> 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 right, explain that explain that a little bit what is that well what, uh I, I i um because i i'm so cool i actually made sure i checked some pop culture news before i came on about you know 12 <laughs> hours ago or something and Ooh, it was it like
0: homework Ooh, homework. <laughs>
5: Yes, yes. Apparently in this in this dynamic I'm counting as the teacher's pet, which cannot be, you know, like a good thing. But um especially as the teachers away. But um yeah, he Adam Levine of Maroon 5 and apparently of a judge on The Voice, which is some reality TV show uh, with singing because, you know, X Factor or whatever you guys still have American Idol is just not enough uh singing and judging, mostly judging. Um, <laughs> but that he revealed the shocking breaking news that MTV is not about music anymore and that the VMAs are the one day a year that MTV pretends it still cares about music which was breaking news around about 2001 i think but uh, he sent a scathing indictment of uh, of them um, so i don't even know you know who who's nominated who's expected to win if there's going to be any uh, shocking meme creation because to be honest that's what the VMAs are good for isn't it
3: meme creation Honestly, that's what the most of the American economy is good for these days, meme creation. Yeah, if only
5: there was a way to monetize it. You know, every time someone on 4chan said, it's a drop, that, uh, you know, George Lucas got two cents or something.
4: Here's what you do. You skim off the top 10% of all of the memes, right? And then you... uh...
0: (laughs) Well, this is what you do. You start a website like Memebase, which lets people customize their memes, and and you put an image creator on it, and then you put a whole bunch of um, advertisements on it. Right, like That's what Cheeseburger did too, right? It's like you create a place where people engage with that kind of content, where they can create that kind of content, where they can post that kind of content. And then you, uh, you make money through various clicking and advertising type stuff, right? That's how you profit off of that. Um,
2: but anyway, if I had rather had heard this conversation, we could be rich.
0: rich. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody asked me at a party a couple weeks ago, hey, why don't you guys monetize overthinking it? And, and I, I kind of hate that word. Right. I hate money. Not because it means selling cool. out, yeah. because it makes it sound like it's so easy to make money off of <laughs> something. It's, it's like, it, it smacks of that whole, like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym because I don't want to have huge muscles. Right. It's like, oh, don't worry. Like, with that attitude, it's not going to be a problem because uh, it's going to take a lot of work. Um, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, we, and I sort of said, I mean, before I might have said, oh, no, we, we're focusing on the articles. We're focusing on the content. We don't want to get distracted by money. But I'm like, well, we have advertising. We sell merchandise, like we sell commentaries, right? Like we we've done live events, which we could potentially make money off of in the future if we got a piece of the gate at one of our events or something along those lines. So it's like we've got all these streams of revenue. It's just that none of them are making us independently wealthy, which is you know fine and all that. That's that's okay. I mean, it'd be better if it did, but I mean, you know, not a, not at some horrible cost. But I'm just saying, like you know, monetize this, monetize that. Uh, it comes from this kind of weird place where going from zero to 60 seems to be assumed right is am i the only one who thinks of it that way um yes i am apparently cool. <laughs> so <laughs> so i had this question for you guys about the vmas um because it seems to be so i remember my my first experience with the vmas was when i was in middle school and uh and and this is not a, this is something we can talk about our history with the video music awards um some i didn't know anything about popular music uh, i believe I to a lot of Beach Boys and James Taylor and Carly Simon and, and Raffi and all that other stuff. And I was in, in middle school, and I, and I asked my friends, oh, I want to get up to speed on music, but there's just so much out there, I don't know what to, what to do. And they're like, watch the Video Music Awards. This was like 1993 or something. Uh, watch the Video Music Awards. You'll learn everything that you need to know about what's popular in music right now. And what occurred to me today thinking about this was that the Video Music Awards used to be something where MTV got a lot of energy from the music industry and a lot of content from the music industry and sort of like did this piece that was kind of in service to the music industry, like the exchange was that way. Whereas nowadays it seems like... The VMAs, the power dynamic has shifted a lot, right? And the music industry is, like, pulling energy from MTV, right? And is like, pulling imagery from the celebrity and kind of, like, driving the stuff. It's not like MTV is profiting off of the popularity of Little Wayne so much as, like, Little Wayne is entirely dependent upon media engagement to sell any records at all, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts either about the history of the VMAs or, like, sort of? the way that from time to time, it's like I never watched them. I don't watch them right now. I'll probably watch them there next week. But, um, I mean, to put it in context, the biggest winner in the first VMAs was Herbie Hancock, and the Cars won Video of the Year, right? So it's like, it's a little bit different, and that's back in 1984. So it's a little bit different. These, there weren't these sort of like video-made personalities that um, interface in that way with the audience.
1: Well, let me, let me ask a question. I, I know very little about the Video Music Award. So this is – it's always fun when you have to preface your comments by pointing out you know nothing about what you're going to talk about. Uh, Here's the deal. Back in the days when the Video Music Awards started, everyone used to get their exposure to uh, music videos through MTV, which used to sort of show them a lot of the time. I think this is an important thing to remind people. And so as a result, everybody is sort of exposed to the big music videos that like if you were watching music videos, you didn't have – You couldn't uh pick what music videos you would see and what music videos you would not see. I think I I think of uh uh, music videos that are on between the one they uh want to watch, uh which they make fun of and and, uh and boo. Um but I guess my point is that nowadays when people want to watch music videos, they go to YouTube. That that is really what where music videos are made for and where their results people watch the music videos that they and um don't i guess they don't have to watch the ones where they they don't like the bands they don't hear cool things about the videos themselves so i wonder if this sort of means that like does the audience have like a critical mass of um of knowledge about the music video universe out there um Video music. At, like, I, I guess for something watching. like social media, no, right? Yeah, like no other music videos.
5: The, I guess the question is why doesn't YouTube have its own show now? Why doesn't it have its awards for music videos? If it is the king of music videos now in a way that MTV was in maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, why isn't it the It does. Deciding it, it does. The best? Yeah, does no, it? no. I
0: mean- yeah, it does. It, it has the YouTube awards, but they're more focused on YouTube content and less on like music video content, right? They're on like Smosh and like Lisa Nova and stuff like that. But I mean, you could totally see a spin off like how MTV went from having the Video Music Awards to having like the, the movie awards, right? Have YouTube jump to the music video awards. That's a good point. That's a good idea. Um,
5: maybe we should do Although, give a call. I mean, um, wouldn't it be based on your maybe likes rating, you know, likes versus dislikes rating? And so you'd get worst of the year by being Rebecca Black and a concerted. Combination of trolls and bullies have raised your dislike rating to however high it actually is now. Uh, Hmm. Did you hear she's having to be homeschooled? I thought that was sad. I kind of felt bad about all the jokes I had to make about her.
4: She's also a millionaire, though, now. So there's
5: Uh, that. I guess so. It's one of those (laughs) double edged things, isn't it?
4: Fame
3: and success. Yeah, (laughs) she found out how to monetize her content, right? Look what that got her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, you know, so it's. We, you know it's like it's like friends and no success or wealth and lots of solitude <laughs>
4: <laughs> look all i'm saying is that uh any trolls out there who want to make us that internet famous i would be happy to be homeschooled if that's what it is <laughs> you are homeschooled,
0: aren't you <laughs> well, not necessarily yes. by your cat who teaches you how to behave as a human right <laughs> do that do they train their that, own that, that, that's,
5: that's a film you couldn't do without cgi <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true because you cannot Jesus. make cats do things <laughs> i don't know much about cats but i know that
0: that is a very good point that, that is a good point how there's a lot of movies about dogs playing basketball but no movies about cats playing basketball
5: <laughs> because no one really likes cats <laughs> They're just kind of under their sinister thumbless paws, but if they had thumbs, that's what they'd be under.
0: So wait, so is there some sort of conspiracy where, like, literally nobody actually likes cats, but we're kind of afraid to say it because so many of our friends have them, but they don't like them either? Or are we just uh, well, there, does that? Work?
2: There was a well, uh, great Radio Lab episode uh, a few weeks ago about um, a parasite that you can get fairly easily if you have a cat and it cuts you in any way. That um, will actually sort of drive you to like be nice to cats, as part of the parasy- <laughs> as part of the parasite's uh, like life cycle. It has to you know cr- it it often infect rats and make them like the smell of cats, so that the cats can then eat them and the parasite can move on. It apparently has the same effect on human beings, and it's, yeah, they've it's found evidence of it stuff. from like thousands of years ago. So like. We're like
5: there's little worms in people's brains that make them like cats wow it's, so that no one actually at the start of terrible children's film cats and dogs where they're ruling the egyptians with an iron fist that's factually accurate that's what you're telling me it, that's actually <laughs>
2: documentary
0: footage yes <laughs> uh, filmed in wow. real time wow that's <laughs> insane that is insane oh man
2: that, um, so I, I so think I if you find heard. a cat lover help them
4: <laughs> yeah. I also heard – I'm pretty sure this is the same bacteria that if you wanted to handicap the, uh, the World Cup, like the teams that win are from countries where the rate of infection with that bacteria is high typically. really, Yeah. Not How presumably from cat scratches but from like various other things to do with water sanitation and whatnot. And like uh, they don't really know the mechanism but the correlation is statistically significant.
2: It has wow. something to do with balls of yarn. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, wait, that. Presumably you're talking about um, the, the grand sport of football there, when yeah. you say World yeah. Cup, because it's a world, World Cup. Um, no,
0: he meant does, the Chile Con that, Carne World Cup at the Oklahoma well, State Fair. I was going
5: to say, does it carry through to other sports, do you know? Because the Rugby World Cup's coming up, and you know, it's in New Zealand for the first time, which means they might actually win for once, and it's the only World Cup I really care about. So I figure I could go and do some you know, spreading epidemics uh, if that's yeah. a thing, you spread an epidemic, you could spread a pandemic, I guess, you know,
0: spreading. Any- well, if you want to get that job at the NHS, you got to learn your ep-
5: <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm sending out mixed messages here. <laughs> uh, I, I like helping people, people with mental health, but I also like spreading disease to former members of the Commonwealth and France, Georgia, Romania, so that
4: England can win the
5: Rugby World Cup.
4: Well, that's you, what like, was- uh, you like spreading d- disease to rugby players who are obviously insane anyway. spreading
5: disease to rugby players makes it sound like such a different thing there would be (laughs) vials
0: (laughs) so wait so 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 tim uh we had a special segment planned with you before we started today you want to are you ready for this because this we didn't have a vma update we talked a little bit about music (laughs) videos sort of uh but I, i do i do have this the first ever overthinking it uh racist movie update which I hope to make a regular series that happens once every two or three years. Uh, <laughs> as, as do, do, allows-
5: do, I, do I get a musical sting?
0: Oh, can, totally! Can, can uh, someone do that for me? <laughs> the racist movie update. Timothy, S- you yeah, dabble, dabble, babble, Racist movie update. You,
5: like, you know, <laughs> uh, when I do the plug later, I'm going to plug a podcast, and I have my own theme song on it. It's that Ooh. awesome. <laughs> but yes. Racist movie news. Um, So, yeah, I was looking up popular movies in America this week that won't be coming out in England for two weeks um, (laughs) because I didn't want to be all behind you guys if you'd seen a cool movie that I wished I could have seen. Um, And uh, come out this week is uh, Columbiana from uh, Luke Besson, who is apparently famous for strong female characters like that one by mila jovovich in the fifth element who seemed to spend a lot of the film naked as far as i can remember although it was a long time ago and maybe i'm misremembering
0: she she um, wasn't actually naked she was close but she wasn't actually
5: naked okay she, she, was, wearing,
2: straps. she was wearing belts yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: okay <laughs> That that I suppose it's still pretty close. Anyway, yeah. um, he directed the uh, the film Taken, which was very unpopular in Europe because it basically stereotyped all Europeans as kind of homogenous and evil, and there was like one distinctly, um, you know, human French character who was. Hasn't ne- the UK
2: been popular. doing that for like two thousand
5: years though? <laughs> yeah, but did you guys like that, did you say that about every bad thing, 10 <laughs> <laughs> England have reached a point where we're embracing a lot of European culture because we're realizing that it's really good. Um, I mean, this is no, no kind of the place. This most true seems to be cop shows. We are obsessed in obviously the cool kind of hip guardian reading, um, liberal elite, uh, in, uh, subtitled, dark, foreign cop shows, but they aren't really good. We've had The Killing, which I suppose is being remade by AMC at the moment, and we've had, uh, what was that other one? Volander, which is good, um, Kenneth Branagh, and um, Spiral, or Engrenage, as it is in French, which literally means the internal workings of a clock. But it's fantastic. It's just got lots of brutality and Gallicness. Um, so, you know, we're getting to a point where I think we're being a lot more culturally cosmopolitan and not just being about our own... Um, cultural vision of well. The then world. why
0: did you go around kidnapping? Le- uh, um, I almost said Leslie Nielsen, um, Liam Neeson's <laughs> daughter. Why would you kidnap Liam Neeson's daughter if you're trying to be all cosmopolitan and watch See, European talk shows? You say
5: you. It were, you know. It was some. <laughs> <laughs> Europeans, where were they from? Were they Eastern European? If so, which country? There's about 20 Eastern European Presumably,
0: countries. Presumably Liam Neeson oh, solves yeah. these questions in the movie no, Taken when he, he figures out where the they're question. from. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he just kills them all. <laughs> Could, he doesn't even kill, figure it out. He's kid. like, no, there's yeah. no, like, newspaper clippings with strings attached to them or anything like
2: well, that.
0: Ultimately, <laughs> no, at no, the end of that not, film, I'm though, not.
2: we do find out that it's a Saudi Arabian who's who's, the, they've kidnapped the daughter of four, right? So presumably you're yeah, in the Middle United States. States. You know, yeah, we still hate like, the Middle East together. That's, uh, you know, yeah. that's... But, so there's, so uh, there's that. Exactly.
5: Well, you know, he, he's French. He's got to come back to being against Arabs eventually. Does that count as <laughs> racism? I don't know. Well, I'm talk French. to us about
0: what's Colombiana. What's the deal with Colombiana? Because yeah. this is... This is on, uh, now you're speaking my language. It's Spanish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not really.
5: Uh, Colombiana is a film starring a Dominican playing a Colombian... Um, assassin who has been trained by birth to get revenge on the people who killed her parents and there's lots of bloodshed and fighting against the backdrop of the what is essentially a civil war in Colombia, I guess, because it is about drug supported rebels versus drug barons versus the government who are increasingly repressive but propped up with American money, um, possibly other money, I don't know. But um Is this the European regime of- or is this Uh, I don't know. I think it's, you know, vaguely contemporaneous, but the whole fighting the FARC and the drug barons thing still carries on, uh, so long as, you know, they receive international aid to do it, um, I think. Um, But, yeah, there's been complaints from Colombians and Colombian-Americans saying, we're not all drug smugglers. We're not all people (laughs) with guns. Mexico is a lot worse than us now. Um, Maybe not that. But, you know, they aren't kind of being a bit fed up with the fact that the first big film about Colombia to hit american cinemas in a long time is not some sensitive treatment of the way you know the Colombian american experience or the fact that there are these troubles in Colombia and they're serious business um but instead it's just like you know she's a probably sexualized action hero played by zoe saldana who is um what do you call it um Oh yeah, she's from the Dominican Republic And people have issues with that I always get really confused as to what is the right line on that Because I always feel that someone If they are playing a character of certain nationality Or ethnicity, should absolutely be that So, uh, for example in Well, let's toss let's that around to Sco- the panel
0: What, oh, oh, yeah, what does
5: the absolutely. rest of the panel
0: think about that? Yeah, toss that question to the panel Because, I mean, should a Dominican be allowed to play Colombiana? Right, is that too
1: far? I mean, too close? It's should it's there actually, be some sort of police Nobody's claiming it's a documentary, Right so, I don't see why you're allowed to pretend that, like, you know, you're, you're a. Di- you know, like, nobody gets annoyed when, let's say, that, like, in, uh, like, like, a British actor wants to play an American, right? Well, let's not forget that. that nobody has a problem with that. I, let's not, let's not forget.
3: Let's not forget, I think it was, what, Memoirs of a Geisha, where a lot of uh, Chinese actors and actresses played Japanese characters. And I believe mm-hmm. that did cause something of a, of a stir. Maybe this is uh, yeah, but I
1: mean, I, I guess I'm I'm on the side that like it should not cause too much of a stir. No, I'm I totally with you as well.
3: Um, I'm just saying yeah, that, 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 uh, that, that, that 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 like to me it's, it's
1: acting, and and that yeah. I I don't like this idea that like even when you're playing a completely fictional character in a story which may or may not be completely ridiculous, you need to like have the same cultural background as that character because.
0: Right. Well, in Clash of the Liam Neeson is Greek, and he releases the Kraken. Anyway, continue.
1: (laughs) He does release the
5: Kraken. What I guess is my counter-argument is just that it seems to lead to a genericization. So, like, in The Last King of Scotland, uh, Idi Amin is played by someone who has a Caribbean background. And I don't know whether I feel so comfortable with the idea that it's just like, well, all um, black backgrounds are essentially the same and so a black actor can play any sort of black character and in the same way but that, yeah win, some english person could play to a... actor
1: for that portrayal?
5: I know i know this is the you thing that... it's just instinctually uncomfortable for me and maybe i'm right. just you know getting that post-colonial guilt thing on which i have to mention at least once an episode but
0: <laughs> <it> just <becomes laughs> india will make him uncomfortable right. india I mean... <laughs> india <laughs>
5: but for example um in the case of, I guess, what would you call it, Latin America, the Hispanic part of America is a really culturally diverse place. Apparently, I've learned by watching, you know, Dexter or whatever, because that's how I learn things about, you know, that part of the world. But um, <laughs> what a great window in Latin that, America! <laughs> <laughs> well, Definitely, <laughs> yes. All Venezuelan <laughs> Americans Brad. like some weird voodoo stuff. But that, um, I guess that. And yet there's perhaps an assumption, and I'm sure I read this in an article somewhere, um, that Latin American or Hispanic American is some kind of unifying thing when really you've got, you know, Cuban Americans and Venezuelan Americans and Mexican Americans and Spanish Americans, and those are all different things that happen to be united by a common language. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's wrong to assume that they're all this homogenous group who vote the same and think the same and who kind of look the same. Well I
2: think that that's definitely an issue and something that that I've actually spent a lot of time working on and thinking about. You you do sort of there are these different cultures, but if you look back a hundred years, like the Irish Americans versus the English Americans was was very much a thing. Um so I think it's it's in a sense almost um hoped that at least within the United States of America, like at some point everybody just becomes an American. So I, I don't know that I think you do need to respect the fact that there are differences. I'm not sure that who you choose to act them out is necessarily the ca- uh, you know, the most important way to recognize that. But I do I do kind of see it as almost a hopeful thing um that mm. at some point that will matter less and that everybody will just sort okay. of be getting along in a, you know Yeah. Yeah, just
5: yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I was trying to come up with sort of thought experiments as to roles where the ethnicity of the actor matters and roles where it doesn't. Uh, think about James Bond. It, it would be unthinkable to cast an American as James Bond, even if the American had a perfectly fine British accent. You know, the same way that British we, actors play American all the time, and nobody realizes that they're we, not American.
5: We, we had no problem casting right. an Irish actor. Pierce Brosnan is fully Irish. He's not British. Um, right, that's just, that's a good point, uh, well, yeah, but the we own Scotland. The so. less clear
1: than you would imagine over <laughs> here.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah, but it is,
5: like, I think being Irish is not as far removed as being American, but it is still another nation with the different kind of cultural background who, again, yeah. used to belong to us and then decided that it wasn't such fun. Um,
1: but then, I mean, there's so, uh, another one. I'm going to get into Trump, So, no Gibson is not, in fact, Scottish
3: right? No. And yeah. That,
1: here, here's the thing. I, th- I I bet if we go back to when that movie was being made or right when it was released, there were a bunch of people complaining that like, gee, this is the the Scottish, you know, the, the greatest Scottish folk hero of all. It's kind of weird that it's being played oh, by an yeah. Australian. But of course, the movie was so good and he was so good in the role that it's really hard to argue that like, you know, oh, we should have waited for Gerard Butler to be born and then cast him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, I do um, want to compliment so you guys. I, I your don't know. I mean, I it... last week. good. <laughs> oh, thank you.
5: Oh. This at least, All right, at least so... Some... Uh... <laughs> Hello? S- sorry, I, I was going to say I'm a quarter Scottish, so I can give it a quarter seal of approval. But no, Well, then we'll give I'm you able.
0: a quarter of your freedom.
5: <laughs> 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 they can take a quarter We picked him up at a car phone warehouse.
1: <laughs> we were after the podcast. We were.
3: Hello? Blinky just dropped out there. Oh, there? Myself? Yeah, to, uh, Blinky, can you just, yeah, can myself? Yeah can, you, yeah, can you just repeat yourself what you were saying before?
1: Oh, no, no, no I was just, I was just saying that uh, we were talking after the podcast was over about how we would translate all the lyrics. And to see, I wanted to call it the fresh thing of Bel Air. <laughs> <And it> because... <becomes, laughs> That's brilliant. Even, I mean, I uh, guess the closest the, to Bel Air you could get the, uh, is the Bunny down.
5: Prince of Bel Air. The Bunny Prince cool. of Bel Air. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: that's oh, nice. That's a nice.
2: different to me. Uh, All right. So
5: oh, we're, oh, we're, oh,
0: we're,
2: oh, we're oh, well, let me.
0: Are we, still, uh, are we still on this subject? Because I think we need to move on. Uh, we got only a little bit of listener feedback this week, but I do want to hit it because it is important for us to engage with our audience and tell them how awesome we think they are so that they will continue to listen to us because, uh, you know, Come compliments and, and that sort of deal. It makes, it makes the world go round. It lubricates the wheels of information technology and social media and all that other nonsense and good stuff.
2: It's the um, golden rule of podcasting. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, we do. We love, we love exchanging. Uh, so, so today's only haiku – we got one haiku, and it it is from Dromedary. Now, Dromedary, that's a, that's a he's a frequent listener, right? Uh, is that somebody who or somebody who is very frequently tweeting at us? And let me see if I can figure out what the name is. Oh, I, you know, I probably don't. I don't know exactly who it is necessarily, but they're definitely a very engaged listener to the podcast, and uh, I think they're pretty awesome. So here's their their haiku, which is from the movie Submarine, which came out. Ooh, so yeah, submarine. It's about uh, what is it about? Fifteen-year-old who's trying to save his parents' marriage. It's sort of like it seems like a artsier parent trap, but not with twins. I don't know. It's a, a prequel a- <laughs> he
5: <stealing> nuclear <laughs> it's, um, it's directed by Richard Ayoade, who um, I don't know if you guys do you get the you guys get the IT crowd uh, from the makers of Father Ted. He plays a character in that. He's a British. Uh, actor and comedian. He used to be John Oliver of The Daily Show's comedy partner when they were at Cambridge.
0: Oh, marvellous. Awesome. So, Um, Sorry, say the haiku. That's just their background. I'll say the haiku. Alright, I'm going to say the haiku. I'm going to say the haiku. Domesticity. An underwater phoenix burns brightly in Wales. So there you go. That's submarine for you. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, I (laughs) I understand it probably describes the movie that happened. uh, And it apparently is Welsh, which I I suppose... uh, (laughs) I wouldn't have expected. It, I, oh, yes. I thought
4: it was whales. <laughs> I thought it was whales with a wh, which I think makes it better. Oh. <laughs> I, uh,
2: yeah, I thought we were talking uh, about like an old whale oil salesman or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. awesome. All right,
2: so, um, so as before, you can see, before we, uh,
4: go ahead, Jordan. Uh, no, I mean, never mind. It was, it was stupid. <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke about how uh, Americans can't d- differentiate between whales, the place, and whales, the 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 not fish but mammal. Um, and this is why, <laughs> like, you need to have um, like Welsh characters played not by Shamu, but by Welsh actors. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how
0: was the joke going to go?
5: Uh Christian Bale has been cast in the new version of Free Willy, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like, you have Willy to know that Christian Bale is like, Welsh to know that, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's a really. Willy begins.
2: I think Willy begins. I like
4: <laughs> whale. That's the sequel. Well, right? I just I just want to see um I want to see like footage of a whale going around in a tank and hear the audio of, you know, whale songs like, "Ooh, oh, and how I'm done with you professionally.
5: <laughs> I don't often get the chance to do this, but there is a little minor biological. Well, actually, in there, uh, Freely isn't actually a whale. He is a dolphin <laughs> they're
3: called Please. Killer Whale. Killer whales, Whale is an orca, rather than right?
5: the fact that they are whales are Yeah, orca, which is the largest of the dolphins. So dolphins aren't yeah, whales. I thought whales. dolphins were whales. Oh, is that not the case? No. Interesting they're both part All right. The, so, okay. Something I'm I'm not a biologist. Yeah. I...
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the tooth the tooth whales. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay, so I hate to do this, but I'm going to take a minute to plug something. Plug away. Cuz I feel like the people listening to this podcast, yeah, what's up?
3: I said plug away.
0: Plug away? Excellent. Okay. So this Friday, something I worked a very Hard improvisational comedy show, one point twenty-one gigawatts, which is a Back to the Future-themed improv show, uh, starring local comics uh, Rob Crean, Dennis Hurley. Uh, it's going up at Improv Boston in Central Square, Massachusetts, and it is a it is a, is a geek labor of love. And and, and uh, I know we got a lot of listeners in the General Massachusetts area. Uh, we're not up next week, but then the week after, we're taking a week off for the Boston Improv Festival. But after that, it's all through. September into October, every Friday at 8 o'clock. Uh 1.21 gigawatts, come see it. Uh it's gonna be a great time. And um and I will uh I'll shout I'll shout you out uh if you come see the show and, and shake my hand, I can shout you out on the podcast or in the show comments, uh or maybe in a tweet with me and the work that I'm putting out there for you guys. So sorry, that it was vain of me, but I wanted to put that out there guys. This show is something i really really so here. I think might like it. And if any of you guys want to come. Um, I can see what I can do about getting you a ticket for a full price which um, is my only option because I don't get any comps. Cool. So, uh, but yeah. Does anybody okay. else have any of your plugs? You I want to open this up to plugs from everybody and plugs across the board. Okay. Places you want to work for. Uh, hit, hit me. Hit me with your best shot.
5: Nobody? Oh, okay, no one is jumping in nope, so you. I will jump yeah, in. That was your cue, Tim. I will. I'd <laughs> like to say
2: hello to all our friends I've got it.
5: national security agents
2: <laughs> listening to the podcast. Uh, you know, oh, I love. It may the, not uh, seem saying. that we're good at keeping secrets. I totally didn't make them uh, villains in my pro- book. Oh, see, look at that! You're um, not villains, so you should hire us. Sorry.
5: <laughs> Apparently, they're also destroying the audio of because the podcast. it's the one thing I've written on my hand. <laughs> They're, they're hacking into us right now. It's like one of those scenes in 24, which is hyperbolized and not realistic at all. Wow.
0: Are we plugging anything? Are we plugging anything on this show? Uh, yes, to yes, this yes. I am. Okay. Okay, go for it. Do it.
5: Sorry, I can't tell if I'm being heard or not. No one's, like, nodding at me. How am I supposed to cope without visual feedback? Okay, so I'd like (laughs) to plug two really amazing podcasts. Um, The first one is called The MomCast, that's M-O-M-B, cast, uh, and is a a comics podcast that I contribute to regularly, talking about uh, web comics and internet comics. They recently had their 100th episode, on which they actually live-called me for the first time, and I talked about... Things that were great in comics. And I also uh, performed a version of Lady Gaga's Poker Face about one of the hosts. So if you want to hear me singing a ver- version of Lady Gaga's Poker Face, then you should look up the Monkey on My Back podcast, M O M B cast on iTunes. And if you want to listen to a podcast that is about 50% me because you love me that much, I am launching my own podcast in about two weeks' time. It's called Psychomedia. That's spelt as in psychology comedy media p-s-y c-o-m-e-d-i-a you can find the first little intro thing on itunes and subscribe there uh, or you can go to psychomedia.wordpress.com basically psychology is crazy and that's funny and that's ironic they have loads of experiments that are downright insane Uh, Me and one of my buddies from university are going to talk about that and point out some of the crazy stuff that goes on. Some of our crazy professors from college who did weird experiments or weird other things in their life. So we're probably going to get into trouble for uh, libel or slander. Um, So if you want to listen to that before we get taken off the air by the UK's strict libel laws, then subscribe on iTunes. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. you. So, barring any other plugs, I'm going to take this one last big plug and shove it into the end of this podcast so that we can make sure it doesn't flood when the waters of Irene come back to swamp us all and and, uh, and whatnot. Um, No, I think Irene's gone, right? We have no more hurricane to worry about. All we have to do now is go forward into the world that'll be sunny, rain-free, hurricane-free, and perhaps uh, you can... uh, Spend some of that time in this post-hurricane world on www.overthinkingit.com, which is a website that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably
3: probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. Sorry, folks. I blame any audio quality problems on the weather. the hurricane you know that thing that happened hey
5: someone sent me a joke to tell they said oh the americans are going to be talking about the weather it's a perfect one for a british person to be on because that's the only thing we do
0: (laughs) other than subjugate
2: india (laughs) mega burn